Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. All right. Well, hello, everybody. This is Jessica Tai, and uh, thanks for joining me here on the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. And today with me again, I have Derek. He's back. Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> so I love having him on here with me because then I don't feel like I'm just talking and talking and talking and talking and trying to fill the space. So, all right. Well, a um, little bit about uh, this weekend. I had a great weekend. Um, pretty exciting uh, stuff going on here. We're planning for a quick trip out of town. So that's exciting stuff. I can't wait to get away from uh, the hustle and bustle of everyday life and just enjoy a few minutes with you here and there. I know. It's going to be exciting. We've had uh, five kids going back to school this past week. And actually, the last one, they do a staggered start for the younger ones. So my kindergartner just went for her first day today. And um, everybody else started last week, uh, staggered, different days here and there. But um, today was Gabby's first day, and she was pretty excited to be there. But we have five kids in five different schools this year. I know. I think you should get an award from the school district for that. Yeah, I know. I think I should. So why don't you call them and see if they award things like that? Probably not. There's. I think there's some kids. There's. I think there's a couple of families with six kids or seven kids. But, yeah. but maybe not all in five different schools at the um, same time. Yeah. That uh, seems like the challenge. I know. That is the challenge. I kept saying, man, if I can actually get them all on the correct buses and at the bus stop at the right time, that's going to be super good. So. Well, I, well, I can tell you for me, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, kayak shopping. So we've been, we love the outdoors. Mm. We love to go down to the river. Uh, we live close to the Little Miami River here in uh, you know the Loveland, Ohio area, and it is amazing down there. It's actually a national scenic river, and it's a state scenic river. It was the first river in the state of Ohio with the uh, the national uh, wildlife designation on it. So it's a, it's a really important river, but it has a lot of little rapids and wide spots. Great for smallmouth bass fishing, which I'm excited about starting to do some of that. But anyway, so kayak shopping's fun. We got the kids each a kayak, and now we've got to pick out of a couple of adult kayaks, which kind of adds to the lifestyle that we're really talking about, I think, here. Yeah, that's fine. I'm excited. I'm actually looking at the kayaks with you. Um, we went out and looked a couple days ago, and I like, I mean, I, they're that's cool. It's fun to look at them, and I'm kind of learning what I like, and I definitely want one that's not too heavy that I can manage and get in and out of the water and pull up and to our, you know, pull up on the property and all that kind of thing. So, well, I'm excited too, because I, I just kind of like to be out in nature and it kind of gives you an excuse. I mean, some parts you can just float down the river and in other parts you can uh, do some paddling and get a little exercise, but I also just like sitting in the sun and exposing my skin to the sun and getting some natural, uh, natural light there. Yep. That's good. That's what we need to be doing. So, all right. Well, so that's kind of an update on what's going on in our lives. So it's been pretty exciting. So let's um, get into this episode. We're on episode eight of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast today. And um, today I'm going to answer, um, I think I'm just going to do one question, one listener question today, because it is such a, an intense 
broad. There's so many answers and I'm actually not even going to go into all of the explanation because you could just go so many directions with this. But the listener question was, um, if I'm having skin problems, can the keto diet help? Um, can, can they help with the skin problems and skin issues I'm having? So I've got lots to say about this. There's lots of research to back this up. And so I just wanted to talk about that today. Sounds good. Let's hear it. So I, I guess let me just start by saying that um, skin issues are pretty telling, that you have bigger issues going on inside of your body that you can't see. Uh, so whether your skin issues are acne or eczema, psoriasis, some other skin irritation or rash, you're, it's really not a problem per se with your skin. Uh, it is more than likely, well, it, it is going to tell you it's, indi it's uh, indicative of something's going on inside you that is causing that manifestation on your skin. Well, I, I've heard that before that people... Uh, you know, don't understand kind of the outside versus inside. I would think just from a layman's point of view, again, that's me here, uh, that if you do have skin issues, there's got to be something else going on in the inside, but maybe it's even worse. Yeah, well, let's, I, I've got several things that, um, that I'd like to talk about that it could be. Uh, but let's start with um, probably the biggest one in my opinion anyway, would be nutrient de deficiencies. So um, those, are those are deficiencies with your diet and the nutrients that you're taking in. Uh, one of the biggest issues is that today's soil is just so depleted of nutrients. You know, there is just, uh, we have such an overwhelming amount of packaged and processed foods or food-like products, as I've said before, that are consumed and the mass uh, produced animals that are raised on these commercial feedlots. We just have a serious problem on our hands when it comes to getting all the vitamins and minerals that we need for optimal health. Well, I think uh, maybe getting back to the farmer's markets and uh, maybe more natural ways to even find a ways to grow some vegetables in our backyard may not be a bad idea. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that could definitely help. Um, there's some, there's a few specific nutrients that I want to touch on today. And, and these are by no means all of the nutrients that we can be deficient in, but these are some of the specific ones I'm just going to touch on because these definitely play a huge role in skin health. Um, we're going to talk about vitamins A, D, K2, and C, as well as zinc and magnesium. Um, those are some of the, the ones that I see being, uh, really deficient in our, society today and some of the things that with our uh, soil deficiencies those are just really we're having real big issues with those those nutrients all like i said those nutrients are super critical for skin health and for the process responsible for regenerating uh, and rebuilding your skin and um, cells well, is there going to be a test on this at the end? Because I don't think I can keep track of all those. <laughs> no, no test. But so I'm going to start out with vitamin D. So vitamin D, I've talked about that. Um, I don't know, maybe one or two podcasts ago, we talked about vitamin D and how our body synthesizes that and how we have to have cholesterol to be able to properly make and absorb vitamin D and calcium, how those all work together. In addition, we need a well-balanced diet of healthy pasture-raised animal products, organic vegetables, some fruits, and high-quality fat sources, specifically saturated fats. 
So on fats, I thought if you ate a lot of fat, then your skin would get oily. And that's why like everyone that works at fast food, they have oily skin. No, 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 no. I don't. Now, as far as fats go, it depends. Now you're talking about fast food fats. Those fats, yes, those are uh, rancid. Um, or trans fats, I guess. Trans fats and fat from seed oils. You've got all these seed oil fats that are um, just really bad for our skin. And I would say that having all of that, you know, I don't know the science behind this, but having all of that, the, the steam coming up off of those steam tables and out of those bas- those fryer baskets and stuff, that can't be good. Well, I, just based upon one of your past episodes, probably the amount of carbs that people eat at those places while they're working there, you know, between the, uh, the pops constant, a source of, uh, having a Coke every five minutes or a milkshake or French yes. fries or the buns on the sandwiches. I mean, just from what I'm learning from you, I mean, that place is carb ridden, right? Yeah, absolutely. And sugar, having high blood sugar absolutely affects your skin because it affects the production of insulin, the hormone insulin. And then we talked about um, in a past episode, the cascade of hormones and how that affects everything in your body. And it most certainly affects your skin. So um, hormones are definitely an effect your skin. So in addition to a well-balanced diet of healthy pasture-raised animal products and vegetables and all that stuff that we talked about, um, making sure that you have the saturated fats because these are, uh, these vitamins that we're talking about, these are fat-soluble vitamins. So like vitamin K2, that's another one. Um, Your body needs that for the complete synthesis of certain proteins. So without having the fat, with that, you're not going to completely absorb or be able to synthesize that. It also works in conjunction with vitamin D and calcium for binding to bones and other tissues. So vitamin K deficiencies have even been linked to calcification in the arteries. So we talked about hardening of the arteries. That has also been linked to that and um, increases your risk for cardiovascular disease. So it's super important to get the K, the K vitamins. K1 is found in leafy greens, specifically your dark leafy greens. And absorption of vitamin K is much better when eaten with fats like butter or ghee or coconut oil or other healthy saturated fats. So let me ask you this. So if you combine the right foods together, you really don't have to worry as much about all these vitamins because, you know, if you're looking at some of these uh, like keto recipes that are all organic and everything else, I mean, you're going to get a lot of these just in a natural combination, right? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, and we're going to talk about some of these other vitamins and some things I recommend on those because sometimes it is just really hard for us to get what we're supposed to be getting and what is intended because like I was talking about in the beginning here, our, our soil is so depleted. So, and, uh, so even our animals, if we're eating organic and we're eating the grass fed animals, a lot of times they're just not even getting all of the nutrients that they should be getting. So, um, okay. So good, but speaking of foods that you can eat, so good sources of K vitamin K are avocados, kiwis, grapes are high in vitamin K. Um, often people with vitamin K deficiencies are individuals with liver damage or disease like non-fatty liver disease. Um, vitamin K does a lot of that, you know, has a kind of a deficiency in that adds to that, um, IBS, cystic fibrosis, uh, inadequate stomach acid, leaky gut, other gut disruptions and deficiencies. Those can all be linked to vitamin K deficiency. 
um, you, if you, to figure out if maybe you have something like that or you're, I mean, the best thing to do is just get blood work done to help tell you what you're doing, um, you know, get some labs done, but symptoms can be bleeding gums, anemia. If you bruise really easily, you get a lot of nosebleeds. And for women, heavy menstruation is uh, often a sign of vitamin K deficiency. Interesting. So another one is vitamin A, which I said in the beginning there. So vitamin A is found in kale, in kale broccoli, beef liver, butter, and eggs, and as well as many other uh, good uh, foods that we can be eating. But um, often people that are gluten sensitive have low stomach acid, have pancreatic disorders, leaky gut, IBS. Those are also signs that you might be deficient in vitamin A. So vitamin A is super important for our skin because it's needed for all skin cells. It's known as the immune boosting vitamin because several immune system functions are reliant on vitamin A, including wound healing and skin regrowth. Um, so deficiencies show up as dull, dry complexions or just overall like poor skin health and acne. So like if you see somebody or if you're somebody that has like a kind of dull, just not a bright complexion. You just look kind of dull and under the weather all the time. Well, is this kind of like where that skinny fat thing looks, you know, where people may be thin, but maybe that they're kind of lacking that vibrancy there because maybe they're just not getting enough nutrition? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, any, I mean, you don't have to be thin to be lacking nutrition. You can, you know, be very overweight and be eating the wrong things and, and be lacking these vitamins for sure. Okay. So um, another one would be zinc. So um, we have to have adequate levels of zinc to properly metabolize our food and nutrients. So in order to even be able to metabolize all these nutrients we're talking about and be able to use them, you have to have zinc. And it is critical for our immune system function. Um, you can get zinc in pumpkin seeds, dark chocolate. Yay. <laughs> um, there's your, there's your excuse to eat dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Yes. I'm telling you right now, you need the zinc and the dark chocolate. Um, garlic's a great, uh, great source of zinc. So if you are not getting good, if you don't have adequate zinc, uh, the best way to supplement with zinc is the, is a supplement. It's a uh, zinc orotate. Uh, if you want to supplement. So what orotate is, is it is made of two orotic acid molecules, one zinc and, uh, and one zinc atom. So it's the most readily absorbed form of zinc by the human body. Unfortunately, there are a lot of zinc, um, uh, supplements out there, but you, even if you're taking them, you just may not be, uh, of your body may not be absorbing it. And that's a huge problem with with a lot of supplements, but zinc is, is really, um, especially, uh, subject to that. Interesting. So I know there's a lot of one a day for men, like I'm thinking from my point of view here and it's got zinc in it. So is that maybe not sufficient? Yeah. And my, I mean, my professional opinion is pretty much any of those one a day vitamins, they're, they're just, they make really expensive pee. So okay. you take them and then you're just going to, well, I hate taking out. these things anyway, to be honest yeah. with you. So there, there are some that are multivitamins like that, to, that we can talk about maybe in another episode that I would recommend, but your typical one a day that you can buy in a store or drug, drug mart, I wouldn't do it. Um, so that form of zinc that that's like a chelated form. And basically that means that it can be absorbed within your cellular membrane. So there's a lot of supplements like that, that you would 
be much better off taking the chelated form of it. Um, like vitamin C, that's another uh, vitamin that a lot of us are deficient in. So most people know you get those from like citrus fruits. You also get vitamin C from tomatoes, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Those are all great sources. Um, so vitamin C is a water soluble vitamin and it plays a super important role in healthy connective tissue. Uh, and is a vital antioxidant. So deficiency signs of vitamin C is again, uh, much like vitamin A, you will bruise easily, bleeding gums, dry hair, uh, dry red spots on the skin. So, and those actually are like broken capillaries uh, up near the, sur near the surface of your skin. So that is a sign of vitamin C deficiency. Uh, C promotes healthy skin and collagen production and fights free radical damage. So um, super important for your skin. Obviously, uh, most of us know vitamin C is like an immune boosting vitamin, and that is very true. It's vital for heart health and blood circulation. Uh, so just uh, don't just go out and buy any vitamin C supplement though, just like we were talking about with just a few minutes ago about vitamins and vitamin supplementation. You need to make sure it's a form that your body can actually use. And most vitamin C, like 90% or more of the, I think it's honestly, I think it's like 99% of the vitamin C supplementations that you can buy out there is made from fermented corn. And it's made from the byproducts of corn fermentation. And it's almost always not, it's almost always GMO corn. How are we supposed to know that though? Well, you just have to look for a good, uh, you have to, it's really important that you look for a good source of that. So, um, for one, I can give you, I mean, I'll give you the one that I use. It's the, and I don't even know if I pronounce this right, but it's the, the Riordan clinic. If you go to riordanclinic.org, that's I R I here, let me make sure I've got it. I'll pull it up here. Okay. It is R I O R D A N c-l-i-n-i-c.org if you go there um this site i believe is run by uh, a orthomolecular doctor and um, they have a bunch of supplements on there that you can get and really pretty much anything you find they don't have they have some of their own uh, brand but they also sell some other vitamins and other supplements that are good that they recommend. But so if you find it on their website, I would say that you it's they're safe to take, they're good to take. So if you're vitamin C deficient, you may not be making appropriate amounts of glutathione in your liver, which you have to have. So your liver will actually take all of the vitamin C that it can to make glutathione because glutathione is so important. And when it does this, your skin, your arteries, your connective tissue, all those things suffer because your body knows how much you need the vitamin C. So um, okay, so I want to go over another uh, kind of the next point that I want to make about what could be going on on the inside uh, that is surfacing onto your skin is gut health. That's a huge one. So it kind of goes along with the nutrient deficiencies, but not entirely because it is very um, important what you're eating that really contributes to gut health, obviously. But it also, I mean, there can also be major issues just with your stress and things like that that are leading to gut, gut health um, issues. So uh, leaky gut is a major component of, the, of skin issues. Leaky gut is also, it's 
called intestinal perme permeability is the uh, probably more accurate term for it. But that's basically when food particles slip through the intestinal lining and then out into your bloodstream. So this obviously causes a problem. Your immune system uh, definitely has a reaction to this. It looks at these food particles as foreign invaders and really starts causing a lot of inflammation and just really a myriad of, of immune responses in your body. So uh, this condition is really, it's pretty much at the heart of like almost all autoimmune conditions that you would have. So you look up an autoimmune disease and it is more than likely preceded by leaky gut. Um, so anyway, our skin is our largest organ and it's also one of our body's best ways to detoxify. So immune responses often manifest as eruptions on our skin. Um, we could see that in the form of acne or hives, rosacea, eczema, um, or other skin conditions like vitiligo. That's the, you know, the white splotchy skin. That is an autoimmune response. Um, so one of the things too, I recently was reading an article about this that I thought was fascinating. And I'm not going to go into detail on this because we just don't have time on this podcast today. But um, I have two kiddos that struggle with, uh, with, gluten sensitivities. And my one daughter, I, she has not been diagnosed as, as actually celiac, but I think that she actually could be. Um, but we know that she has a gluten and uh, gluten sensitivity, at least a, a very, uh, you know, it's, she's very intolerant to gluten. But one thing that we realized was, or one thing that manifested, um, prior to her getting, uh, this under control was, um, she would get these blisters and these red spots. And the first time we saw this, we thought that she had hand, foot and mouth, if you've ever heard of that. And that's where you can get blisters in your mouth and blisters in on your hands, like the palms of your hands. And you can get them on your feet, I guess, too, which is why they call it hand, foot and mouth. Um, but she, she was not getting, we, the first time we saw the blisters, they were on the palms of her hands and the red spots. And, uh, we actually, when we met her, she had them. We, we, um, this is my daughter that we adopted from China when she was two and a half years old. And when we first met her in China, she had these spots on her hands and, you know, we weren't sure what it was and that's fine. You know, we just, um, move forward and we brought her home and there was, um, you know, we took her to our pediatrician and to the specialist at our local children's hospital and went through all of these things. And, uh, they just didn't really know what it was. And she tested fine for everything. She didn't have any, uh, specific ailments or anything like that. So we just figured, you know, well, I guess it will resolve itself. And for the first, you know, year, um, I was trying to figure out her nutritional deficiencies and trying to help her through nutrition because I knew that she had all of these. I mean, she has, she has a lot of, of health issues and we were trying to do a lot through nutrition. And when we found out that she had gluten intolerance, this made total sense <clears throat> that it was linked. It was a her, this is how it was manifesting. One of the ways it was manifesting because we realized that you know, gluten intolerance is, is somebody that's eating gluten and has a gluten intolerance, which she was. And when she was in the orphanage in China, her diet was largely gluten. Um, we, we know that that'll manifest through the skin like that. So I wasn't surprised about it. But the interesting thing is, is I just read this article that said that they are now linking this phenomenon 
to celiac disease and that it affects a large percentage of people with celiac disease will actually get these blisters. And I don't, I think they named it, called it something, but it is actually linked to celiac or people with a, you know, a very strong gluten intolerance that that's one of the ways it manifests. So I thought that was really fascinating, but so it is just, everything is so connected to our gut. Um, so common causes of leaky gut are stress, which I just said, um, that is huge. So if you are under a lot of stress, you can be eating a perfect quote unquote, perfect diet and still end up with leaky gut, poor diet, obviously, uh, lots of carbohydrates. Gluten is notorious for causing leaky gut. Uh, you know, our, our, wheat that we have today is so very different than the wheat that we used to have than the original wheat. I mean, we have hybridized it and done all these crazy things to it to make it fit what we want it to be, how tall we want it to be and easy to harvest. And we want it to grow quicker and produce more yield and all of these things. And all the things we've done to wheat have really caused, you know, cause I have so many people that'll say, well, this is so silly. Like, I mean, we've always had wheat. Why would we, or at least in the last, um, you know, several hundred years, we've, we've been eating wheat. Why all of a sudden these gluten issues? And I think it is really 100% tied to the, what we have done to the wheat and the way that we grow it and manufacture it now. So, um, poor diet, bacterial overgrowth. This one's huge for, for gut health. Like, so I think I've talked in, in uh, podcasts in the past that I had candida overgrowth. So everybody has candida in their gut, but if you are eating a preponderance of sugar and carbohydrates, then you, the balance of the good bacteria and the bad bacteria get out of balance and candida will overgrow and, um, kind of overrun your gut. And it is a serious problem and it causes all kinds of things to go wrong, including skin issues. Um, low stomach acid is also an, uh, linked to gut health and leaky gut. And I have also struggled with low stomach acid. I still struggle with that. And I still, uh, and am supplementing to try and get, um, my stomach acid production to come up the way it should. Uh, so um, even the overuse of like antibiotics and medications in your past, that can definitely contribute to leaky gut. So I would suggest that uh, what you do to figure all of this out is work with a functional medicine practitioner or holistic doctor or a nutritional therapy practitioner, which I will be soon, yay. <laughs> but you need to work with somebody that can get you the right labs done and test for these things. So test, test you for, um, for food sensitivities. And I'm not talking about an allergy test that you go to like a typical MD to get. I'm talking about food sensitivity testing. So you need to do a stool test. You need to do blood work and really hone in on if you are, if there's something that you're sensitive to and that's causing you issues, because if you continue to eat a food that you're sensitive to, you will end up with leaky gut and you will end up with issues. So, um, and then a, another, a huge one for a lot of people with that food sensitivities is not just gluten, but a lot of people have real issues with dairy. So I've talked before about how I don't specifically have a problem with milk and I've been tested for all these things and I don't have any sensitivities to milk, but I have, uh, at least one of my children I know definitely does, but milk can really mess with hormone um, balances. And, uh, especially if you're not drinking raw, 
uh, organic milk from grass-fed cows. The processes that milk goes through, and especially if you're drinking it from these factory farm dairy cows, is just a recipe for disaster. So checking into that could be good um, thing to do. So to figure out what you have. Okay, and then uh, another big uh, thing that could be going on with within your body that is manifesting through your skin is hormone imbalances. So I know I've touched on this a little bit. Um, go back and listen to my hormone, the podcast I did a couple of podcasts ago on hormone imbalances. Um, our hormones all work together. It's super important what we're eating, how much stress we've got going on, how much and you know, that could be stress from exercise, too, minute, too much, too little, stress from not sleeping well, sleeping, you know, just not getting enough sleep or just poor sleep quality. Um, and then, of course, foods, what foods we're eating and whether we're spiking our blood glucose and then our insulin has to run to the rescue all the time and just kind of how metabolically damaged we are really affects all of our hormones and our adrenal function, our thyroid function, and those all contribute to skin health for sure. Another one, and this is actually on your, um, uh, well, let's actually, I'll talk about this one first, like toxic ingredients, uh, internal and external. Those, that's huge for skin health. Obviously external, like probably think if you put something toxic on your skin, then you're probably gonna have some skin issues. But people don't often think about the toxins inside your body and those really, uh, definitely lead to can definitely lead to skin issues. So, um, for the for your external usage, I would say great rule of thumb is if you cannot put it in your mouth. So I'm not saying that you want to eat any lotion or soap that you wash your face with, but if you can't eat it, like if you know if you eat that, it's going to be toxic to your body, then you probably don't want to put it on your skin. So like I said earlier, your skin is your lar largest organ in your body and it does absorb what you put on it. So, I mean, think about, I talked about before with the synthesis of vitamin D uh, in a podcast, a few podcasts ago, that your how that works is you literally, you absorb the this uh, chemical reaction that happens on your skin when you're in the sun. And that's how you are able to synthesize vitamin D inside your body and even make that hormone. So, I mean, we are designed to absorb things through our skin. That's the way it's supposed to be. So you have to, you have to be careful about that. And, um, uh, getting in, you know, letting in all these toxic things. I mean, think about like hormone creams and like the nicotine patch or there's birth control patches. Why do they put those on your skin? because your skin absorbs it. So watch what you're putting on your skin. If you can't eat it, you probably don't want to put it on your skin. Um, so while we're talking about toxic things, so one of the big things that you can do to help your skin is help with your detoxification. So your liver is, you know, works so hard to detox your body. And we, you know, we've, we've talked about all these things that, that you need to do, but Help, helping your liver to detox is a huge thing for helping your skin. So I talked about glutathione. Glutathione is a super powerful antioxidant. Then our liver makes that. So we literally, how, you know, how much glutathione we have and how good our levels of glutathione is in our body is an indicator of how long we'll live. That is how powerful glutathione is and how important it is to our bodies. So it actually helps our liver to detox and break down fat before bile is even admitted 
Um, so that takes a lot of stress off the gallbladder. So when you don't have adequate levels of glutathione, um, those can definitely that can definitely lead to gallbladder issues. Now, I also am on a glutathione supplement because I have had issues with glutathione, and I'm still trying to work those out. Um, one, this is one of the supplements that I was talking about earlier. You got to be real careful on the supplements that you get. You can get glutathione supplements on this uh, Riordan clinic site that I was telling you about, and definitely get the the chelated ones. But um, I take one that my functional medicine practitioner gave me, and it's from Apex Energetics. And it's A P E X. And it is a cream. It's an oxycell cream, and um, that is it's a glutathione and SOD cream, which is a superoxide uh, dismutase. Dismutase. So anyway, <laughs> I probably am not pronouncing that right, but um, glutathione is the main thing that that's in. But it's a cream, and I just take a little bitty pump and I just rub it over my liver every night before I go to bed, and that is helping my liver to produce the the right amount of glutathione. It absorbs that, and then it goes to work to produce that in a form that my body is able to use. So it's super important. You can also supplement with milk thistle. Uh, milk thistle helps your liver to detox and be able to produce uh, glutathione, adequate levels of glutathione. Also helps with detoxification of your liver and helps it to produce glutathione is foods that are high in sulfur. So um, there are lots of you know good foods to eat that are high in sulfur. I'll let you look those up. But selenium, um, that's really good too. You can get selenium um, Brazil nuts. Just one to two Brazil nuts a day is a great way to get selenium. Grass-fed beef, liver, eggs, um, all of that. And then you need adequate levels of vitamin C, which we talked about. Um, your liver takes vitamin C to um, and changes, you know, converts that into glutathione. That's how it builds glutathione. That's one of the components. So you need vitamin C. You need adequate levels of vitamin C as your liver, you don't want your liver using all of it to produce the glutathione. And um, adequate levels of vitamin E are also important. So um, other tips, oh, and then, you know, for cleansing your liver, there are, to help kind of detox your liver, there are all kinds of other foods you can eat that are good. Like garlic is really good at, um, it kind of just activates liver enzymes that help it flux, flush out toxins. So that's really important. And then um, grapefruit is good or other citrus fruits because those are high in vitamin C. Um, green tea. Uh, green tea is kind of known as like a liver loving. So I like to actually, I love unsweet iced tea. So I will actually use, I'll do half and half. So I do half um, green tea and half black tea and make my um, iced tea that way. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it's called. That was silly. Uh, so anyway, that's what I do with green tea. Um, green leafy vegetables are also uh, really good for helping to cleanse our livers. So we also, those also have high levels of vitamin K and vitamin A and all of those things. So that's really good to add those in there. Avocado is one of my favorite superfoods in the whole planet. Um, really helped us produce glutathione. And it is necessary um, to have that glutathione to help cleanse our livers. So the um, so producing, helping us to produce the, the glutathione with the avocados is really good. 
Um, pretty much all cruciferous vegetables, easy for me to say, and then like um, citrus fruits, like I said, the grapefruit, and then lemons and limes and all those. Those are really good for uh, stimulating the liver to release toxins. And that's, you can add like lemons and limes, adding that to water. I typically will add lemon to my water in the morning and drink a full glass of water before I do anything else in the morning. And that is a really good way to help kind of stimulate your liver and get things moving and help cleanse your liver. I mean, we have got an epidemic of fatty liver on our hands right now. It is estimated, I think the latest estimate estimates, it could even be higher at this point, but I believe it's still that one in three adults actually has non-alcoholic fatty liver, whether you know it or not. That can be reversed. You can fix that. You can change it. You can make things better by doing some of these things and, and having a healthy lifestyle, getting away from the packaged food, the carbohydrates, all the toxic materials that are in the foods today. If you get away from those things, you can actually reverse non-alcoholic fatty liver, but you need to work on doing that before you have a serious problem. Because once you have a problem and you end up, um, you know, not being able to heal it anymore, or you have to have your gallbladder removed because your gallbladder has become so sick. If your liver, if you have liver issues, it will affect your gallbladder and a telltale sign that you have got serious liver, liver issues or gallstones and other gallbladder issues. Pretty much if your doctor doesn't tell you that you, you should get a new doctor and get somebody to help talk to you about what you can do before you lose that gallbladder. Um, having your gallbladder removed is not going to kill you. You can definitely survive without a gallbladder, but your, your liver really needs that gallbladder. And it is, is essential for helping you break down foods and, and utilize foods, especially fats, the, in the best way possible. So you don't want that to happen. So doing liver cleanses, keeping your liver healthy. Um, and I don't mean cleanses by like, there are these things that you can do, or you mix this thing and that thing and drink that for five days and all this kind of stuff that I don't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about using some of these foods, like I just talked about to help your liver cleanse, making sure that you're getting proper nutrients and vitamins so that your body, your liver can make the glutathione, which is imperative for detoxification of your body. And for all these other things we talked about, so those are super important things to do. Turmeric is another one um, that is a spice and turmeric is huge at boosting liver detoxification. So it actually assists the enzymes that will flush, flush out all those toxins that are in, um, that, that accumulate in your liver. So those are really good as well. And I know I talked about a couple of podcasts ago doing um, coffee enemas um, I know that's not like a super popular thing and you maybe have never heard of it before you heard me say it, but coffee enemas are very effective. They're very effective for cleansing your liver. They stimulate that process. So, um, you know, you get over the uh factor. It's a, it's a good thing to do. So some of you may have noticed that Derek has not been on the end of this podcast and that is because he actually, um, got a phone call and had to run out. So um, sorry about that. I know he was bummed that he couldn't finish up this episode with me, but, um, but that's okay. We'll have him back on the next one, maybe, or a couple times from now or something, but, um, he's out. So I'm, I'm going to wrap this one up. 
I, I just wanted to let you know that <clears throat> that I will I'm going to talk about some of these some of these things uh, in more detail but some other tips are for skin health are stop wearing foundation if you're a, if you're a woman stop wearing makeup you know foundation on your skin um, that was a really hard one for me I have um, the sunspots on my skin so the melasma it's called and those started developing when i was pregnant with my kids and then um, with each subsequent pregnancy and birth they got worse so um, i have issues with with melasma or the dark spots on my skin but i can tell you that they are better than they've ever been and i, I you know i definitely think that that is attributed to my overall health and and healing my body as well as what I do topically to my skin now and kind of my skincare routine. But um, I'm going to talk about that and products that I use and things like that in another episode. But just to give you kind of the overview is definitely stop wearing foundation. It clogs your pores and it does all kinds of things. It, it messes with the pH balance of your skin which is also very important when we're talking about skin health. Your skin does have a pH. Your pH range, um, your skin is actually mildly acidic. So your um, pH range on your face is between like four to 4.5 pH. So even water has a neutral pH of seven. So even when you wash your face just with water, um, you are throwing off that uh, your skin pH. So you want to make sure your skin products are in the range from between like 4 to 5.5 pH. And so that is most soaps that you buy in the store, they are not within that range. Like your, if your soap is lathering and getting all sudsy and you think that's great and it feels like it's cleaning your skin, it's actually stripping your skin and it is throwing your pH balance out of whack. And that's not good because you actually need a, a slightly acidic environment on your face to support the skin microbiome. I mean, you have you have uh, microorganisms on your face and a, and a delicate balance of microbiome there, and you need to keep that in in the right balance. Okay, so today, since we are focused on skin health and all the things that you can do for your skin and to help your body detoxify and help your skin detoxify and assist all these other functions of your of your body and your detoxification system and your health and your wellness and your overall exuberance. I want to talk about um, a special tip for today. And I, I don't always get time to give these to you in the podcast, but today I do and I want to focus on one today called dry brushing. So I'm not sure how many of you have heard of dry brushing. It has been around like forever, um, but it's not really that common or talked about that much anymore. But there is so many benefits to dry brushing. I will just name a few of them. It helps to remove cellulite. That's right, ladies, you heard it here. Helps remove cellulite. It cleanses the lymphatic system. It helps to stimulate hormone and oil producing glands, which um, are super important. You wanna keep your skin hydrated and definitely stimulating your hormones um, are good. It tightens your skin and prevents premature aging. It helps to remove dead skin layers on your, 
on that you can see so you may not see the dead skin but you may have like a dull appearance to your skin so it can help to remove that it helps with your immune system it helps to stimulate your circulation which is super important it actually even helps with digestion if you can believe that so um, it's really easy to do it is not uh, it's it's not expensive it literally only requires one thing and that is a dry brush so you can get these body brushes in pretty much any store and they are the ones that you want to get the one it's you don't have to get one that says it's for a dry brush you can even use like a, a loofah sponge or you can even use a towel like a rough towel but don't buy a brush with nylon or synthetic Brush, um, bristles you want to get one that is made with natural uh, bristles so my dry brush is like a um, long it's got a long handle and it looks like a brush that you would use in the shower to like scrub your back to clean your back and so mine is just got the the like white or off-white cream color natural hair bristles on it and that's what you want to use um, you can also get them without a handle if you want to do it that way, but I find it easier to do with the handle because I do like to dry brush my back and I think that that's an important area to do as well. So I use the one with the handle, but you can use whatever works better for you and you can try a few and the brushes are cheap. So not a big deal. So let me tell you a few things to do, you know, why this is important. Um, so your lymph system you have a lymphatic system and it's actually part of our immune system so um, it is made up of white blood cells called lymphocytes and um, they that basically in this fluid that bathe our cells and it kind of brings our cells nutrients and helps to remove waste out of out of the cells so that's our lymph system and all detoxification occurs first and foremost through our lymph system. So we're talking about cleaning our bodies and clearing out the toxins and all those things. And that's what helps our skin to look healthier and brighter and happier. And so our lymph system is super important for this. So dry brushing definitely plays a role in that. So, um, and our bodies actually contain far more lymph than we do blood. So it is super important that we are kind of helping to move that lymph system and help cleanse that out. So when you dry brush, it helps move the lymph containing these proteins and certain matter that can't be transported any other way, like back into our circulatory system. So if we had all these um, proteins stay outside of the blood vessels and outside of the system, it would just attract other fluid. So we would get like swollen ankles and limbs and things like that and that happens and actually sometimes people can get really ill that have other um, like kidney diseases or liver diseases and you can actually leak fluid out of your skin and this is caused by your lymph system not um, working properly anymore and so literally that fluid gets backed up in your skin so um, it's important to dry brush uh, to help to help with that specifically but i think it's a good preventative thing as well so literally what it does is it so it pumps all so this lymph system it only goes one way so um there are one-way valves on the inside of all these lymph vessels and the it literally pumps the lymph like back through uh to the heart and then it removes um you know without doing this we wouldn't remove all this stuff out of the lymph system so it has to do this so when you dry brush you want to dry brush toward your heart so never dry brush away from your heart because that can actually 
cause you to get like too much accumulation in the lymph itself. And um, that can cause problems like a backup and, and cause like some swelling in those areas. And we actually even speed up this increased flow of our lymph system when we um, work out or exercise or just even walk. It helps to move that system. So there's another reason that walking is really good for you or, or working out. So and, and that can help increasing the flow like that and making sure that the flow is, is good and you're getting proper flow actually can help you keep your blood pressure where it needs to be because... Um, issues with your lymph system can actually cause high blood pressure. So, and I, I have never heard of anybody being told that if they have high blood pressure to try dry brushing to help with your lymph flow. Instead, you know, doctors will just prescribe medication for high blood pressure, but that is absolutely um, one of the things that you can do to help lower blood pressure is dry brushing. So um, I told you it removes dead skin layers, which is super good. And it does help to boost your immune system to strengthen it because um, we are helping to stimulate those vessels to drain these toxic matter um, that it is that it has, that it's getting from these organs, um, these, you know, these toxins. So it helps to kind of get get rid of that and to drain that. So, um, so dry brushing is great for that. Um, it actually does tighten the skin because it increases the, your blood flow. And, um, and I told you that it helps remove cellulite and that is true. It helps to, um, remove some of the toxins that are, that are stored in cellulite and can help lessen the appearance of the cellulite. So, and we get, uh, you know, our bodies make a new top layer of skin every 24 hours. So if we dry brush every day, we're helping to remove that top layer. And then we allow that new layer to kind of come to the surface. So our skin, you you'll notice really after one brushing, but you'll start to really pay attention and notice it after several that your skin seems smoother and softer and all of that stuff. And, and that's not your, you know, your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. It's true. So, um, that's good. And it also can help with digestion. So, um, your skin, you literally use your skin to absorb nutrients. So if you can you know, remove the, the clogged pores that are on your skin, which if you have all this dead skin that isn't getting properly brushed off and sometimes just even showering and washing isn't getting that dead skin off properly. So if we can dry brush and get that dead skin off, that's going to help overall with our body health and our, and our digestion because it allows us to absorb all those nutrients and then it allows us to eliminate toxins back through those pores. Like we talked about <clears throat> is that your, your uh, skin is our largest, largest organ and we eliminate a lot of toxins through there. So, okay. So let me just tell you what the technique is that I use and how you can do this for yourself. So I told you about the brush to get, so you're going to start, always start with dry skin. So you're going to start, I usually just, um, start with the, with my feet, <clears throat> start with the bottoms of my feet, the tops of my feet. And I just do kind of long strokes up the fronts and backs. And I kind of go over that, um, each area, like, I don't know, maybe five or 10 times. And, and I, and you know, you want to do it pretty vigorously, but you don't want to do it so much so hard that it hurts or so much that it hurts. But if you can do it vigorously, you're going to get a better result out of it. 
So, and then, um, like I've said before, because of the lymph flow, you want to always brush towards your heart. So if you start, if you're at the bottom, you start brushing up towards your heart. And then once you get to your chest area, like your arms, your hands, your neck, you're going to like hold out your arm and you're going to brush from your hands down um, your arm, like fully through your armpit. And when I brush up um, from my um, like under my armpit area, I brush fully up through the armpit area. So you actually have lymph nodes in your armpit. And I don't think it's a good idea to stop brushing right there. So I'm kind of trying to move it um, past that area when I am doing that. And then uh, you'll move, you know, I usually do the whole front of me and then I'll move to the back and then I'll work um, I use that long handled brush, like I was saying, and I'll work from the back of, you know, kind of the top of my buttock area up to my, the, the base of my head. And then I actually will kind of rub, um, in a circular motion at the base of my neck there where your pituitary gland is, or, or the base of your skull. And I will kind of just do that you know, five, 10 good times around. Um, when I'm on my stomach, my abdomen, I also do a circular motion on my abdomen. So um, that is good for digestion and stimulating digestion there. So I definitely do that as well. And um, that's pretty much it. So then when you get finished with your dry brushing, um, your skin will probably be a little bit pink and that's okay. That is, you know, you are stimulating circulation. You just don't wanna do it so much that it hurts. So if you're in pain, then you need to lighten up a little bit. Don't make it hurt. But, um, but definitely your skin will be a little bit pink and you are probably gonna feel pretty energized. It definitely has an energizing effect on you. So that is a good, that's a good thing to do first thing in the morning. And then you'll just want to jump in the shower and give yourself a really good cleansing and get all that stuff that you just dry brushed off, get it off your skin. So that's a um, great way to start the morning. I typically will go like this morning, I went out, I did a HIIT training session. I walked my high schooler up to the top of our street um, really early in the morning. And so I will go up there and then a few days a week, I will just do my HIIT training on my street, come back to the house and making sure that my skin is dry. I don't want it to be sweaty at that point, but, um, and when my skin is nice and dry, I will then do a dry brush technique and then jump in the shower. So it's a really, uh, great way to start out your day, really easy way to do it. And your, your dry brush will probably last you, um, I don't know, maybe six months, maybe a year and the bristles will start to wear out. So depending on how often you do it or how much, you know, how much pressure you're using, once your bristles just aren't that effective anymore, you're going to want to replace the dry brush and get a, get a new one so that your, that your dry brushing is effective. All right, so that's what I have for you guys today. I hope that helps, and I hope you guys got some really great ideas uh, from <clears throat> all this information on skin health and detoxing and doing all that. And one more quick thing. One of the things I have not been doing, I, I just have been running out of time or sometimes I'm just forgetting to do it as well, is I've not been sharing any of my reviews with you guys. And I don't know if you like that or don't like that, but it's kind of fun for me to share and I love it when people leave reviews for me. So um, today I'm gonna read one from my website and um, this is from Andrea. And Andrea says, I went to Jessica's seminar last week and enjoyed every minute of it. 
Great fun and facts about my experience with the seminar. First of all, it was wonderful seeing an old friend again. I have known her um, a long time and I haven't seen her in years. Um, our dads were actually best friends when we were little girls growing up. So, And she says, second, I really enjoyed the food that she made for us ladies. My husband and I have already tried one of the recipes that she gave us and my husband Brian also really enjoyed it. Thirdly, she was very informative and encouraging. I was able to take back the information she had told me and talk to my husband about everything. He is also on board with starting a new lifestyle of health and wellness. I would like to thank Jessica for a great, and she said, and Derek, because <laughs> he helps me out with my seminars, for a great evening, great food, and great friends. Thank you. Thank you so much for that awesome review, Andrea. And I am so glad that you and your husband are able, Brian has been able to enjoy some of that. And I actually made a spaghetti squash bake for that seminar. And I'm really glad that, that they are enjoying that. And she's been able to to get some real value out of that. So that's all I have for you guys today. And I guess, I hope you guys have a good week and I guess I'll be talking to y'all soon. Thank you so much for listening in. Oh, and one more thing, please, please, please go on iTunes and leave me a review if you're enjoying this podcast. It helps so much and I would greatly appreciate it. And if you leave me a review, I would love to, leave, to read it um, here on the next podcast. So thanks a lot. Keep the um, suggestions coming and more things you want to hear about. And it gives me great ideas for the podcast. And I love doing what I know you guys are interested in hearing. Again, thanks so much. And I will be talking to y'all soon. Bye-bye. This episode of Keto Lifestyle is brought to you by the How Did He Know app. How Did He Know is a revolutionary app that delivers daily customized tips to help men become better husbands and partners and reap the rewards that come from happy, fulfilling relationships. For more information, visit their website at www.howdidhenow.com or download it from the App Store today for iTunes or Android. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we share with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.